Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Wednesday, February 2nd, uh, Groundhog's Day, or better known as the Feast of the um, Purification of Mary Presentation of Our Lord. All right, and we'll recognize that this evening at 7 p.m., so join us for divine service here. Um, as we celebrate that day, also known as Candlemas, so a day when uh, candles are blessed and given to the people. Um, although that tradition long since gone here, I don't know that I've ever experienced that, but uh, uh, there's other days. When's the day that we bless the oil used? I can't remember when that is, but there's a day for blessing the oil as well. Uh, some of those older traditions have faded away, I suppose. Um, but you think about um, lights and darkness and Simeon's song, right? A light to shine in the darkness and the glory of thy people Israel, right? Luke Diminis, um, and Simeon there in the temple at the Feast of the Presentation Purification. So, let's see, anything else to talk about before we start? I don't think so. Oh, it says uh, in the chat, sounds of a great gathering. Yeah, that was um, the All Saints Day Choral Vespers at uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne in 2018. That was the postlude. Right, uh, I always kind of laugh about it. There are all these musicians there, and then the organist has prepared an excellent piece for a postlude, and they stand around talking over the top of him. <laughs> but so it goes. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. We say our memory verse for this week. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3. All right. Our psalm this week is Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you, are re that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down, touch the mountains so that they smoke, flash forth the lightning and scatter them, send out your arrows and rout them, stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David his servant from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. May our sons in their youth be like plants full-grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. 
May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our first reading today is the continuation of St. Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth, his second letter, now chapter 7. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside there were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he has comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that some, the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoiced, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to your repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I, write, I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done, you, done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in nothing I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And his affections are greater for you, as he remembers the obedience of you all how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. All right. Um, so this, uh, Paul again is dealing with really this challenging, the challenging way um, that the rebuke of the law, that to speak according to God's law, um, well, it hurts and it can, it's, it's not meant to destroy relationships, but rather than build, rather build them up um, in faith and in and love towards one another and towards God, right? But for some reason today, um, I think this is one of Satan's chief deceits. Actually, have transformed the idea of love as acceptance, as um, looking the other way. Love is to um, ignore the faults of others. All right. Now, there there is a degree to which that must be done, of course, in every human relationship. Um, that in, we forgive the sins of those in whom we love, right? Who we've been joined together in love, but we forgive them, and that means that we have to, we have to acknowledge them, right? So Paul did that, and he he had some really strenuous, um, harsh even words to say to the church of Corinth, 
in his first epistle, and then also in another letter, which uh, is referred to at the beginning of this epistle, but uh, isn't extant, which is apparently even more um, challenging. But you can look to the first um, epistle and see how passionately Paul um, rebukes them. And I can understand why that would be received poorly. I mean, in the same way as a pastor um, bringing a congregation's sins to bear upon them um, can be received with hostility. I've experienced that firsthand. But on the other hand, if it's spoken in love, it's if it's spoken according to the truth of God's word, it is uh, for rebuke and correction and repentance, right? And then, um, you know, we don't take joy in that, but we do recognize, um, how does he say it here? I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, all right? So um, when, when one's sins are brought to bear and uh, brought to the light, it's not simply um, to leave you ashamed and guilty and suffering, um, but only bring up others' wrongdoing if um, it's for the sake of repentance. Parents know this with children. Um, I think husband and wife, um, if, they, if they live honestly and intimately, will be able to uh, express their faults to one another and, um, and forgive one another. Right? And I think pastor and congregations that way too. All right? So we can see Paul's really providing some pastoral instruction here um, to recognize that even a hard word spoken is for the sake of love and faith. Right? Look at what diligence it produced in you, he said here, right? What clearing of yourselves, right, of the conscience, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. Hmm. Okay, um, speaking of being called to repentance, we're going to hear from Second Chronicles 33 of Hezekiah's son, Manasseh. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he had rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He raised up altars for the Baals and made wooden images, and he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He also called his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He produced or practiced soothsaying. He used witchcraft and sorcery. He consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He even set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, and which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in the house, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land which I have appointed for your fathers, only if they are careful to do all that, all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed um, to him, and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, 
and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew the Lord, or knew that the Lord was God. After this, he built a wall outside the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, as far as the entrance of the fish gate. Um, and, ra- and it enclosed Ophel, and he raised it to a very great height. Then he put military captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. He took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord, and the altars that he had built in the house of the Lord, of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he cast them out of the city. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed on the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, his prayer to his God, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, indeed they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. Also his prayer, and how, he, how God received his entreaty, and all his sin and trespasses, and the sites where he built high places, and set up wooden images, and carved images before he was humbled. Indeed they are written among the sayings of Hatzai. So Manasseh rested with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house. Then his son Amon uh, reigned in his place. There ends the reading. All right, we'll go back to the beginning here. Uh, how old was Manasseh when he became king? Yeah, 12 years old. Was he a good king or an evil king? Uh, yeah, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Look at verse 2. Um, following the abominations of the nations that the Lord had driven out, right? So um, the memory of them uh, still remains, right? So the uh, all the Canaanites, whether it's the Philistines or the others, right? And all their false gods. How long uh, was he king? It says he reigned 55 years, right? So he was 67 right? when he died. Um, illustrate the depths of his wickedness, right? Not just the Baals and the wooden images, right? Look at verses 4 through 7. Lots of details here. He rebuilt the high places, okay? He made Asherah poles. We have that back in 3, actually. Uh, Let's see, what else did he do? It says that he made his sons walk through the fire. This is uh, that he um, sacrificed his sons to Moloch, right? Um, You've probably seen statues of Moloch usually with a bull head, but then with his arms outstretched, and they would build a fire and place and sacrifice children to Moloch, right? So we often, uh, Moloch worship is still today, um, we just call it abortion, right? It's the same idea, sacrificing children to to appease the gods, the gods that we worship, often ourselves. Uh, again, raised up the altars to Baal, he practiced sorcery, you see that, and divination, um, Susang, right? We have consulting mediums and spiritists, right? So trying to speak to the dead, often demonic, right? Built altars in the temple to worship all the host of heaven. So he starts to worship the creature, not the creator. So that would be um, altars to the the named angel host. Um, Even put up a carved image. It doesn't say exactly what, but put it in the temple of God. All right, so now all of Judah, following after their king, look at verse 9, um, did more evil than the nations that the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. All right. So, um, and of course, the chronicler reminds us that this is exactly what we knew what would happen, right? If we forsake God, um, then false gods come in quickly. Right? We're, uh, how, do we, how does Luther say it? Um, no, we'll say it this way. We're made for worship. And so we always will worship someone or something um, if it's not God, the true God. 
and according to his word. All right. That might explain a lot why the so-called, you know, secular or atheist uh, world is actually highly religious. <laughs> Just worships a different God. All right. Um, what did the Lord then do to Manasseh? Oh, I skipped that part. No, I didn't. Here it is. Uh, they would not listen. Therefore, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the armies of the king of Assyria, right? To take him prisoner. Notice he took, they took him by hooks right through his nose, right? So like a, like a bound beast, right? With bronze shackles uh, off to Babylon, right? So at this point, Assyria reigns over Babylon. Um, that will change. We'll see. Uh, but notice then, what does Manasseh do in his great affliction? He calls out to God in prayer, right? Humbled himself, prayed for God to deal with him by grace, right? Uh, and save him. And the Lord did, right? Brought him back to Jerusalem. What do the words in verse 13 tell us um, that Manasseh had been recalled to faith? How do, or how do they? What are the words in particular? It's this expression right here. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Um, that knowledge or that knowing is the same word that's used to describe the knowing of, of a husband and a wife, you know, that intimacy, that intimate knowing, right? So um, his prayers continued. He remained steadfast to God's word, continually prayed, right, in that word, uh, and offered sacrifices in the temple. Although, as we'll find out with um, Josiah later on, um, <clears throat> it's not clear that actually they really know God's word all that well, even here, right? Uh, but that's always incomplete, I suppose, in our life. Uh, how does he illustrate his repentance, right? This is not penance. This is just uh, the working of the Spirit in his heart then has its fruit, right? Yeah, he put away the foreign gods, right? Repent, uh, rebuilt the outer wall, got rid of the idols, the carved images, the altars that he had built on the Temple Hill, Temple Mount, and in Jerusalem. And he restored, in particular, the altar of the Lord um, and then resumed um, peace offerings and thank offerings on it, as God had commanded. But how about the people of Judah, right? Not every, they followed the king into his wickedness, but they didn't quite follow him back into his repentance, right? This is a, a lesson for all those who are in um, any kind of spiritual leadership role. Um, I mean, even fathers in the house. The children will follow you in your rebellion, um, but if you repent and return to the Lord, they don't necessarily follow you back. Um, I think many... Um, Many people who've rec been reconciled back to the church in their older age will recognize um, the damage that was done on their own family then as a faithfulness. Mm. I know I've seen that. It's not in my own per particular case, but uh, in my pastoral ministry. Right? So they continue to sacrifice on the high places, um, but they substitute in a syncretistic way, this is the word for this, um, to, to the Lord their God. Um, I think there's some danger. We talked about this with the children a little bit this morning. There's a lot of danger, actually, to think that we can take places and buildings and, um, you know, the, 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 well, really just the places of false worship and just reclaim them for Christian worship. Um, even the Muslims do this, by the way. They, if there's a Christian church, they'll tear it down and then they'll rebuild a mosque in its place. Um, you know, imagine if there was an altar built to some false god um, attempt, and then you said, well, you know what, we're going to reuse that space. We're just going to claim it as a Christian space. Um, there's a way that that space has been desecrated utterly, right? And um, if it had never been dedicated to the worship of the Lord, it's probably better just to tear it down and build a new new church in its place, right? And maybe that's actually a powerful statement. Um, you think of, um, I was St. Boniface, right? The missionary to the Germans, to the Gauls. 
um, who who uh, cut down the sacred oak, you know, to Odin and um, Odin's tree, and then uh, rebuilt or used the wood to build a temple or excuse me, a church in its place. Right. So he take this place of worship, Odin, you know, worship of Odin, this this great tree, and then use the tree to build a Christian um, altar in its place. I think that makes sense. Um, of course, this whole story should remind us of a parable that Jesus tells. Maybe, maybe the par- the source material for the parable is actually this story. All right. So a son takes his father's inheritance, um, squanders it on, on unrighteous living. Uh, in this case, in uh, uh, rebellious uh, idolatry, he's taken away into a foreign land. He finds himself having lost everything that um, that he had received from his father. Uh, he repents, returning, um, calling upon the Father, knowing the Father's grace and mercy, repents and, and is returned to his land and restored um, in the way that he was. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> a parable? I don't see anybody in the chat. I don't know what, there's like a 30 second delay. So uh, yes, yeah, the parable of the lost son, or as it's usually called, the prodigal son. Prodigal, I don't like the parable of the prodigal son. It doesn't actually make sense. Because that emphasizes the wastefulness of the son, his prodigal or prodigal living. But the point of the story is the way that God calls him to repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he was lost and he was found, he was dead and is made alive, right? So this is a wonderful story of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Manasseh is like the prodigal son who must reach the lowest point before he um, looks again for his father's mercy. Only when he is cast into the chains, into chains in a Babylonian prison, as he cry out for mercy. He deserved nothing, but God in his mercy and grace restored Manasseh, and he lived faithfully after this. All right. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is, forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. What sins should we confess? Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we're not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. Before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts, which are these. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? We pray. Merciful Father, you promise us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I come before you for confession and absolution, teach me to consider my place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Work in me true contrition and repentance. Give me desire to live a new life. Help me to know and confess my sin truthfully. As I receive my Savior's forgiveness, comfort my conscience, renew my life, strengthen my faith in him, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. All this I ask for the sake of my dear Lord, Jesus Christ, who died for me and shed his blood for me upon the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Amen. We pray. Almighty God, you know we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. Grant strength and protection to support us in all our dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. Pray for parents who must rear their children alone. And we pray for our communities and neighborhoods. 
We also pray um, this day and Thanksgiving with Kaylee and Kim, who both celebrate their birthday. See them later for catechism. We also pray for Mallory and Aaron, who rejoice in their baptism this day. We give thanks to God for the households of our church and ask his blessing upon them, especially that of Gary and Julie, Joseph and Andrea, James and Deborah, Jerry and Marla, Russ and Amy, Doug and Betty. Continue to give thanks to God for the birth of Carson John, born to Jolene and Chad. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Jim, and Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Willis, Mickey, Paul. Pray for our mission of the month, Sheboygan Area Lutheran High School. Pray for uh, all pastors and hearers of God's word. And we continue to pray for Norm and Donna at the death of Donna's brother, Randy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, tonight, again, is the pur- Feast of the Purification of Mary and the Presentation of Our Lord. Um, but uh, we can pray the collect for that day now. Almighty and ever-living God, as your only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple in the substance of our flesh, grant that we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn for this week. All praise to thee, my God, this night. Soul in the repose and 
It's so good to have you all with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at uh, 9 a.m. And of course, like I said earlier, you can join us this evening for the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord, Purification of Mary, um, and uh, we'll recognize that feast. As uh, we had catechesis on it uh, a couple months ago. What is it, a couple months? Yeah, it's only been 40 days since Christmas, right? So, um, yeah, so we'll do that this evening. Let's see, anything else? Nope. Otherwise, you can join us again tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., and we'll pray and confess together again. All right? So, uh, Lord be with you, and especially those to our south, uh, stay safe. Nothing here, so that's great. And, uh, yeah, Lord be with you all.